This episode of The Taylor Stevens Show is brought to you by listeners, readers, and patrons. If you'd like to learn how to support this podcast, please visit www.patreon.com slash taylorstevens. This is Taylor Stevens, the New York Times best-selling and award-winning author of Kick-Ass International Thrillers, and this is The Taylor Stevens Show with my good friend Steve Campbell, where we are kicking writing in the butt one word at a time. And this is a response podcast to last week's episode. So if you didn't listen to episode 334, this might not make much sense to you, uh, but maybe it will. We'll, we'll try and help it make sense. But la- last week, Taylor was talking about communicating through the written word, communicating and storytelling, linking things together. She used uh, three different chain analogies. And I had some questions for her at the end of the show, but we were out of time. So we saved them for uh, this week's show. But the, the question that we ended last week's show with before we decided to wait until this week was the observation that I made that as she was talking about linking ideas together in her own mind and moving things around as as she was even talking about the story that she'd written and posted to Patreon was how often we see the same thing when she does line edits um, in, in the hack the craft material where she'll just say, well, I'm going to move this up here where she doesn't change any of the text. She just moves the placement of some text from maybe one paragraph to another or from one spot in the paragraph to another. And inevitably it makes the story read better. So uh, that's kind of where we were when we stopped last week and Taylor was just getting ready to respond to my comment. So Taylor, after one full week, which in reality is like (laughs) 10 minutes because we're recording right (laughs) after the last show. uh, What's your response to that? I think that, um, I have to tell a story. (laughs) (laughs) Well, be sure and link it together. I'm kidding about the actual story part, but I I don't have a straightforward answer. So um, when we talk about story, I've said many times that you can teach someone to go from a bad writer to an okay writer, maybe even a good writer, by teaching tips and tricks and hacks. But trying to teach story is a whole other thing. It's really hard to teach story to someone who doesn't understand story. So to link back to the story that I wrote and posted on Patreon, it's kind of like how livestock guardian dogs don't need to be taught how to guard. They do it by instinct. It's something they just know how to do because of the genetics that have been passed down through thousands of years, looking for dogs that are able to think independently and intelligently without human intervention. And in many ways, I think that the understanding of story is to some degree innate. People either understand story or they don't. And if someone just has no concept of story, I'm not sure that it's possible to really 
teach them to understand story that would make them good, good storytellers, maybe passable. But if somebody has at least some innate ability to understand story, then the foundation is there and you can build off of that. I think most people do understand story to some degree or other. So most people do have that foundation. It's just maybe not been tapped into. And so it takes some time for them to learn to work with it. And I think for me, story is innate. It's something that I do without understanding why or how. And these discussions that we've been having for six years or more have more or less been breaking down my understanding and trying to articulate what I understand innately. And in many ways, the line edit episodes are the same. They stem from that. So a lot of times when I'm doing these line edits, I can explain what I'm doing and why on a basic or superficial level. But I don't always understand the innate part of it that is causing me to see the issue in the first place. And that is causing me to understand on instinct how to fix it. I'm not always able to articulate that. But I do think that when I am doing those line edits and I am moving things around, it is in response to that in the understanding of links, of chain links. And that's ultimately the goal, even if until now I haven't had the words or the metaphors to be able to explain what was going on. So that is a very roundabout story-ish way of replying to your question and saying, I do think that's what's happening when we see those types of changes going on in the line edits. Whatever reason I'm giving for doing it there at the time, it's accurate at the time. But underlying that and unexplored is the issue of linking ideas, one link to the next to the next. And ultimately, that is probably highly likely what's driving those changes. All right. And, and for those who are wondering, why Taylor gave such a lengthy answer. Uh, <laughs> refer back to last week's episode <laughs> where she talks about the importance to her of being clear in her responses to things. But it was a very clear response. So thank you. I hope so. I always wonder and second guess. But yes, yeah, so when when those line edits are going on, it it, it really is underlying everything is how does this idea link to the next one? And if they're not linking, what needs, what do we need to fix that link? What, let me create a link to connect these two parts of the chain that are just hanging there broken. All right. So last week we talked about chains, links and chains, and you, you, you came up with three examples of chains. One was a basic chain. That's just like a, a chain that you might, used to chain a pet or something like that. Uh, and then there was a more complex chain that might be something like a snow tire, tire chain that you, you might use in the winter. And then the incredibly complex chain that would be like chain mail armor uh, that the knights of old 
used to wear. Do you think it would be useful for us to have an understanding? Well, not so much to have an understanding of those chains, but to have an understanding of what chain we want to be writing on as we're structuring our story. Wow. I, I, I feel like I need to be very careful with this answer. <laughs> <Is it? laughs> All right. I'm going to set my stopwatch. Am, am I going to lock my, you know, paint myself into a corner with this one? Um, well, when I came up with those examples to begin with, right, it was not with the purpose of, hey, let's create some new definitions and break stories down, see which one of these they fit in. It was to create a visual understanding of simplicity versus complexity and how they are all, regardless of how simple or how complex, these stories are all formed out of the same basic building blocks, which is the linking of ideas. So I would be very hesitant to say, oh yeah, you should understand that before you start setting out to write a story. Because a lot of times people don't, no, first of all, it might be hard for some stories to fit exactly, you know, pigeonholed into one of those categories, or maybe feeling like you have to understand this is just going to be one more roadblock to getting started. Maybe you have to vomit everything onto the page before you even really understand what it is you're working with. And then you go back and you reshape the structure. So I'm not, I don't want to suggest that, oh yeah, we should all really understand these concepts before we set out to write something. But I think that understanding those concepts for some people could be helpful to prevent if they can visualize their story as, hey, I'm really just going for a single line here, straight sort of adventure story style of this happens and this, then this, then this, then when they get to something that would be a branch off, like a one of those legs on the snow tire chains, then they're like, oh, wait, no, that's not the direction that I need to go. And they can save themselves some time and maybe some frustration of trying to get the story coherent after they've already vomited onto the page. So a yes and a no, like maybe it could be helpful for some people, but I wouldn't say, oh yeah, we should all really understand this first because it was just like this, hey, let's build this so we can understand what we're working with type of metaphor. All right. So one of one of the things that that I went through with my story is, and I did not have this metaphor at the time, but I intended the, the story that I wrote and that uh, we have been talking about forever uh, on this show. I intended it to be a very straightforward story. I did not intend for it to be overly complex. I did not intend for it to have lots of lots of different uh, storylines. But subplots. I allowed that. Uh, yeah, subplots. I allowed that to happen. And so now I'm going through the process of going in and plucking some of those out to try and simplify the story. And. So that's that's why I was asking the question, because if I'd had this metaphor and if I had thought about it um, as I was adding these subplots for really for no reason other than I needed to add some tension here. And we've talked about that in past episodes, too, how dangerous right. that can be to to just add something where you don't really understand where it's going. Just just to create some momentary tension in your story uh, to carry you through to the next scene, chapter whatever. So in one specific instance, I added something that just, it didn't take the story in a different direction. It took the character in a different direction and a, a direction that I didn't want the character to go in, but it also wound up providing a solution to the crime. 
And so it served a purpose that it, it wasn't intended to serve, but it takes up so much time and so much story bandwidth that I, I want to get it out and I want to come up with another way to, to provide the answer to the protagonist. And it, it just occurs to me that, that this kind of thinking ahead of time would have been super useful to me. And just the idea of just that straight chain, I want to keep going down this chain to tell this story. Because I am not, I'm a rookie storyteller. I don't need to be uh, adding the kinds of complexity to a story that I added to this story. And it, it really complicated my life by, by doing that. So I think I can tie those two things together. So you were asking, you if link you them thought, together, that would be even yes, better. <laughs> precise language. So um, if when you were asking, you were saying, you know, would it be advisable to be aware of, you know, the different types of chains before you, you know, start structuring your story. And I'm a little iffy on that, but where I think that these analogies could be incredibly helpful to most authors, especially those who are, as you say, rookie authors, right, is instead of thinking in terms of types of chains, focus in on the idea that every element, everything that you add to your story is a link. So you got this link in your hand, right? And you are about to connect it to an existing link on your chain. Ask yourself, is this the main chain? And if I'm linking it here, is there a way to link it back somewhere else? Or am I just starting a new link that's going to hang off this chain and just be dangling there completely use useless? So you don't have to understand different types or break down the stories. You know, does this story fit this particular type of chain, whatever? Your ideas, every idea, every element is a link. If you can figure out and see a way for that link that you are about to snap onto that chain to either be, be lead where the main chain is going or connect back again to the chain in some way that it is useful and serves a purpose, then it probably belongs. But if that idea has no way to link and you're going to have to create whole separate lengths of chain that maybe aren't even part of the initial design to begin with, simply to make them fit, that's what should give you pause and go, huh. And it doesn't mean that you shouldn't write it necessarily. Maybe if you're working by the seat of your pants, you rely on those types of ideas forming as you go to help you figure out what comes next. They, that still serves a purpose, but there's a way to insert them into your rough drafts that you don't necessarily have to follow them all the way through. Or you could put a note and say, you know, unsure if this belongs and you keep it in brackets and you don't spend as much time filling it out or developing it, but it's there in your mind. And as the writing process goes on, you're going to be aware of it. And, you know, 50 pages down, you might be like, oh, I see how that links back to this story. And you find a really creative way that it works with the story and the, the that quote unquote link appendage actually does serve a purpose and it's useful. And then it stays and you work and you continue to develop it. But if you don't find, you know, you get 
further along in the story and you realize, yeah, that doesn't really belong and I'm not going to waste the time pursuing it, then you can delete it out. But the key part is you were aware from the beginning that you're dealing with a link and you need to know, can this connect to another link or not? And that's your, that's your, your factor. That's your deciding factor right there. That would have worked very nicely. So let me ask you a question. When you were, when you were writing um, Liar's Legacy, that was the first one, right? The second one. Second one. Okay. Liar's Paradox, first one? Liar's Paradox is the first. Liar's Legacy is the second. But Liar's Legacy is way more complex than the first one. Okay. So when you were writing that, did any of these thoughts go through your head? Well, kind of going back to what my first roundabout, longabout story answer <laughs> to reply is a lot of this is innate for me. I may not always consciously think about it, but ultimately, yes, that awareness of every idea or element needing to connect to the story as a whole, connect to specific thread lines or whatever, it's always there. With me, I don't know that it was necessarily there with the informationist. That was my first book, but it was there enough that it allowed me to create what I created, and it I, it's a pretty coherent story for someone who'd never written a story before, or at least never finished a story before. I mean, I dabbled here and there, but um, it was the first time I'd ever set out to actually write and finish a book, and I knew nothing. When I was getting started, I, I read, when I had first started, I read a single how to write book. And along the way, I read a few more, but I didn't know what I was doing. So obviously that understanding was there somewhere that allowed me to understand you can't just throw this in here if it doesn't have a point or if it doesn't connect. So every, even though that story meanders and it does meander because my goal in writing it was to show different parts of this country. And the story was written around the country, not around a plot or anything else. It still all connects back. It's still, everything still ties in and has a purpose in the story. You know, I, could I write it better today? Yeah, absolutely. We've had discussions about that. But considering where I was at, how I knew nothing, and still managed to create that work, obviously the understanding was there, even if I didn't have a way to articulate it. But over time, it's become clearer, and now it's more conscious. And so I don't add, every time I add an element or something shows up, there's a part of me going, okay. How does this tie, does this, does this strengthen the story as a whole? Is this a, a daisy meandering path that I'm going to have to come walk my way all the way back? I'm going to end up deleting this. Does this increase the tension and the story momentum at the same time? And I do a lot of second guessing along the way, which may not necessarily be a good thing. I would write so much faster if I wasn't second guessing myself along the way. By the time I get to the end of the story, my story is already pretty tight, and what I'm cleaning up are the double, the double, the repetitions and needless words, and maybe a few little things here or there. But I am not going in and deleting out huge segments of story or having to recraft or rewrite um, how to make things work. There, there are very few plot holes by the time I get finished with the first draft because of how much I'm thinking about that along the way, not always consciously. But it's it's there. It's under everything. 
you use the phrase increase tension and story momentum at the same time. And I'm thinking of a particular instance, and it's it's kind of the one that we were talking around here earlier, where I added I added this link that that took me off in a direction that I didn't need to go. And it did add tension, but it did it didn't add any story momentum. It probably actually reduced story momentum in several places between that and the end of the book. And so for for listeners, this was a situation where there was a piece of evidence that was in the protagonist's house and he had, he was, he was out and someone broke in to take the piece of evidence, but instead of just taking the piece of evidence, they vandalized his house to such an extreme level that it, it required a lot of work and um, a lot of expertise to sort of rebuild things. And all that really needed to happen was that this piece of evidence was stolen and that he got back in time to see them leaving. That's all that actually needed to happen. But I threw the other stuff in so that he could be angry about this. And that was really the only reason for it. And so it did absolutely, you know, from from a Yes, from from thinking through what Taylor had said earlier about the chain, I could look at that and say, yeah, this is this is adding a link. It's going to take it in a different direction. Maybe I can maybe I can get it to circle back and make sense and link up again and not cause too much damage to the story. But uh, that phrase is it increasing tension and story momentum at the same time. There's no way that I could have said it was also increasing story momentum. And do you remember so, that section of the book, Taylor? I, I do. And I'm wondering if it would be okay with you if I used that example a little bit and kind of expounded off that and expanded it to, to expand the example of not only links, but also how to take that same situation and potentially increase the tension and the story momentum without having to create a whole new chain link to do it. Would that be okay with me? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't discuss any of this beforehand. So I just, you know, I didn't want to go off on this and find out you weren't okay with it. So for, for our listeners, you already have a basic understanding of what that scene entailed. And when I was working with Steve on this story, and this was quite some time ago, so forgive me, Steve, if I don't have all the details correct. But there are, there is a sort of thread, story thread that has to do with the main character and his family. And that in itself, I felt was a good thread. That it humanized him, it made the story, it added layers of emotional conflict to the story that the actual plot line itself didn't have. And of course, there's always ways to go about that. It's not like it was the only way that it could have been done, but it's the way that it had been done. And so that's what I was working with. So in my mind, when we came across this scene, I saw it as an extension, a potential extension of the family drama, the emotional um, aspect of Reggie's life. And I do believe that there would be ways to keep that scene and as it is, and add to the emotional tension 
in in a way, story momentum, because if you have a character that's feeling frustrated that he now has to deal with his family in ways that he would prefer not to have to deal with them, if he's frustrated at being pushed around and and all of that, there are ways to weave that or interlink those elements to the chain and keep it all coherent. But it also could be taken out. And because the whole storyline about having to make the calls and the people coming and going and all of that, it added words without adding necessarily the connection, the oomph that, that goes with it. So assuming that the decision to take it out is final, great. Um, like you said, you have this piece of evidence. The whole reason you had this scene is he needed to come home, see somebody leaving his house, and the evidence was gone. And a way you can do that, if you've already decided to get rid of the vandalism and all of that, is it's it's internal. It's internal with the character where he gets inside and everything is exactly as he left it. That right there flips a switch in his brain like, how would I even know if somebody was actually here? It, did they come for me or not? And he make, of course, he immediately suspects that if somebody was in the house, maybe they're looking for something that he has. It's a logical connection. Those links are just snapped right into place. And he looks for the evidence and it's missing. And that provides internal conflict where he's like, well, these people were in my house. They never left a sign that they were here. If I hadn't seen them, I would never have even known that they were here to begin with. And I would not know what happened to this evidence. And how do I know if I, like, are they going to sneak up on me? Like, how do I even know, like, this whole crap, they got the, the jump on me here. They were in and out. It's by luck that I saw them. And so... He starts thinking in his head, what can I do to protect myself? This is more serious than I thought it was. And that now drives the next decisions that he makes. And it adds a level of intensity. And, oh, shit, is he going to be like in the, the reader's mind? Is this going to happen again? Is he going to be able to protect himself? How much danger is he actually in? And so with very few words, it doesn't take a lot to communicate all of that. You have now created a setup for ongoing tension. And even if nothing else comes of that, as long as his inner world, his thoughts are linking back to that moment, and it's a concern in the back of his head, the links remain. The chain is, is solid. It's only when it happens and it's full of tension, and then we never come back to it again that that link is just become its own offshoot and it's not connected to anything else. And it's just hanging there as an extra appendix that that's how you do it. And that makes sense. That makes absolute sense. I don't know if I, if I would want to, I still haven't completely decided how I'm going to handle that, but what you've described would certainly simplify it. It would probably take about 15,000 words out of the story. And I need to take even more than that out. Wow. Um, and it, it would take away that one subplot, which I don't think adds a lot to the story. Other than, it does, it other does than the add, family stuff. So when you look at it as every idea, 
every element that you add is a new link in the chain that has to connect, has to connect somewhere. If that whole tangent doesn't make, if that whole tangent makes it more complicated to keep the chain strong, connected, all the links connected, then yes, you are better served deleting it all. Because if you don't follow through, once you open up in tangent, once you add side links to the chain, you have to follow them through to make sure they connect back to the story in some useful way. If they don't, then it's wasted words. And it's also disappointment for the reader. It leaves the reader feeling unsatisfied, like this didn't go anywhere. Nothing happened with it. So if the work involved with creating those side chains are is going to be more than it's worth, if it's going to open up even more links that you're going to have to figure out how to link back, you're far better off just never linking it in the first place and just deleting it and sticking to your primary story chain. If the story is missing something, though, that's when you got to go, all right, what what links do I need to add that there's something missing here and and possibly work with what you already have to to make it into what it needs to be? Okay. So for listeners, <laughs> this is a little bit of a workshop that uh, we didn't really intend to get into, but uh, hopefully uh, you, you found some usefulness uh, from that side link that we went off on. And uh, we'll link it all the way back, hopefully, uh, to, to the idea of, of just that uh, single chain, which is what m- I, I was hoping that, uh, that my story would be. So a uh, little bit of a Q&A based on last week's episode. Um, Taylor, thanks for answering the questions. Thanks for the, uh, the workshop on, on my story. Any, any other words of wisdom before we wrap this week's show up? I don't have any wisdom, but I definitely would love to get more questions. Um, So if you're a listener and any of this has piqued your interest or you didn't really understand something or you're curious to know how it might apply to your particular situation, send the questions in, send the material in. You can get me in the Facebook group. My email address is contact at taylorstevensbooks.com. or you can get me on Patreon and I will do my best to get your questions answered. If I cannot, if what you have asked me isn't something that I feel that I can use on a show, I will still usually do my best to answer, maybe not as in-depth, but to give you something. So you're not going to be writing to avoid. I, I always, if, as long as I receive the email, I respond to the email. So um, yeah, if you've got questions, things that you feel you could use help with send them this way that way we can all benefit and the material that we offer can actually be helpful all right so uh thank you guys very much for listening we will be back with you again next tuesday thanks for being here see you next week